just read this passage of Scripture. Matthew 5 and 6 says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Amen. The next few moments, I hope I don't get carried away today. I'd like to preach about the value of an empty vessel. Lord, we love you today. God, we thank you for the presence that we feel in this house. Lord, I I know that your word is anointed. I pray today that you would flow through me and that some small way today I could speak into someone's life that the word, Lord, that you've given me would flow into their hearts and their souls that would be encouraged, that would be lifted up. I pray this in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The value of an empty vessel. And I was came in this morning, and Pastor and I were talking, as is our custom, and he was asking me about the Word. And I told him today what I have to bring is, is not going to be profound. <laughs> it's going to be simple. So yeah, I hope you can endure the simplicity of this message, and I pray that the Lord uses it to speak into someone's life today. Um, there's value to be found in an empty vessel, which may seem contradictory because... Um, the word empty, when used as an adjective, of, means containing nothing. Now, you'd be very a very disappointed young boy or young girl if you opened up your Christmas presents <laughs> on Christmas morning and you found a bunch of empty boxes. There would be no value in that for you. Uh, when used as a verb, the word empty means to remove the contents from something or uh, for example, if you were to empty a box, you would pull the contents of that box out or pour them out. Or, Ladies, you have bags and purses, and oftentimes you fail to empty those, and it shows because you continue to collect things. I have a co-worker that I like to pick on every time I go by, by her office as I'm making my rounds, doing my duties. I like to talk to people and just get the feel for what's going on in the office, and there's one one good lady that I work with, her name is uh, Kilby, and she has the biggest bag you've ever seen, and uh, it's like a leather purse thing. It's huge. She packs it around, and she's got, and I'm always teasing her about it. But that's just the way we are as in our human nature. We like to collect and things, and we uh, some of us are more prone to collecting than others. Um, but we don't like to empty things. Empty. Another definition of emptiness is lacking reality, substance, meaning, or value. So there are times in all of our lives where we feel an emptiness in our spirit or an emptiness, if you will allow, in our soul. Our innermost man groans within us and cries out because of a sense of emptiness. It's in these moments that we can feel worthless or unwanted, unneeded, We can feel unappreciated. If we're being honest, oftentimes we can go on a little pity party. Anybody ever had a pity party? Is it just me? Am I the only one that has pity parties? All right. Sometimes we just feel empty and unappreciated inside. Though our lives may be full to capacity with the business of life, with activities, with our temporal goods that we've collected, We all reach moments when we realize that something is simply lacking 
in our lives. Despite these feelings of loneliness, uh, and maybe sometimes even feelings of despair or desperation, I want to tell you today that even though you can't see the value now, there is value in your emptiness. 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, a very notable miracle is is recorded in the Word of God. There is a prophet by the name of Elisha, very powerful and uh, highly favored man of God. And there was a miracle that was recorded here in the fourth chapter of 2 Kings. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the son of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. Everybody say, there was emptiness. Wow. Everybody consists of one person. All right, we're going to try this again. Everyone say, there was emptiness. All right, you're doing better. Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. It was the custom in this time that if you had a debt, there wasn't just a debtor's prison, uh, but they could take something from you to make up their loss. If you had creditors, they could come and take your goods, your house, your possessions. But in this situation... Uh, the creditors were coming and they were going to take this poor widow lady's two sons. Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And then this is how you can tell the people were really poor. She said, Thine handmaiden hath nothing, has not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go borrow the vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, and brought the vessels to her. Everybody say empty vessels. And she poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full, she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay thy debt, and live thou and thou children of the rest. Amen. So the Lord not only paid the debt, but He paid over and above what was owed so that she and her sons could live off of the profit that was made. I wonder today what would have happened if all that she could find were full vessels. Vessels that were full of maybe grain from her neighbor. Or water pots that were full of water. And she couldn't find anything. She couldn't find any empty vessels. Because you see, the miracle required that there be a want or a lack or a need. An emptiness. So that the spirit or the oil could be poured in. So that the miraculous could flow. There had to be an empty vessel ready 
and willing to receive the oil and the miracle that God had in store for her. There was an emptiness. She knew the value then of the value of an empty vessel. So what is the value of an empty vessel? The value of an empty vessel is that it can be filled. That it can contain something. Amen. If, if you have many things in, 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 let's just say, let's use the analogy of a tote. Does anybody love totes? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those little plastic containers. I'm going to tell on Shree's not in here so I can tell this story. That is awesome. So we we moved, I don't know, about two years ago, thereabouts. And in the process of moving, you do what? You purge, right? You get rid of stuff. Get rid of stuff. Throw stuff away. Bring it out to the Salvation Army or the Goodwill or the Teen Challenge. And you give things away to people. You put things out by the curb so the, uh, so the hoarders can come around at night and pick it up. I did that. I put a, a, a broken lawnmower by the road. It didn't last in no time. Put a broken grill by the road, it didn't last any time. People pick things up, don't they? And in the process of, of this move, we kept the things that we thought were essential, and we put them in totes, right? These plastic bins. And so when we're moving, I, I put all, all these bins in a room. It's our sunroom, right? So I put all these bins in there. And I was talking to a coworker today, and I was talking to him. I was like, you know, I realize I, I've got a project at my house. I have to clean out a sunroom. So when I moved, I put all of these things in there. And I stored all of these goodies in these totes. But we've put them in there and we've been living for, in that house for two years. And I've never needed it. I have no idea what is in those totes. Those vessels in there, if you will, they're full. They're of no good to me right now. And I've got more stuff I could put in totes. But the totes that I have are full of stuff that I don't even know what it is and I don't need. I know y'all aren't anything like that. There's really no value specifically. I mean, there may be a few keepsakes in there. There may be a few things from, that I hoarded from the time that I was a kid. I mean, I'll admit I'm bad about that. Don't look at me crazy. I know you are too. I pulled something out of a box last night. I was in there digging through some of this. So what is this stuff? I pulled out a coloring box that said, B.J. Randall, Manifest Elementary School, 4th grade. <laughs> How pitiful is that? I've got a plastic coloring box from when I was in the fourth grade. I mean, there you go. But those vessels in there are full. I can't put anything in here. So what, what is their value to me right now? I can't use them. But if they were empty, I could put more valuable things. I could fill them up. There's a value in emptiness. There's a value in and having an empty vessel. When I was thinking about this, this message, my, my mind went to the book of Joel. In the book of Joel, uh, it, it, it's not a very long book. I think it's three chapters, maybe four. How many chapters in Joel? Three. Yeah, it's three chapters in the book of Joel. Uh, it's not really all that long, but it's very powerful. They're very familiar passages of Scripture, especially to those that are in Pentecost. You You've heard these passages preached for, pre preached from for many, many times, no doubt. The Word of God says uh, he, he's pronouncing a judgment that is coming upon the, the, the people of Judah. 
um, he, he's pronouncing this judgment upon them. And the reason that their destruction is coming upon them is because they have fallen away from the, the commandments and the word of God. He says, that which the palmer worm, in verse 4, chapter 1, that which the palmer worm hath left, the locust eaten, and that which the locust have left, hath the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. In other words, they had they got bad problems. They having some judgment of the Lord. Verse 13, the prophet says, Gird yourselves and lament, ye priests, how ye ministers of the altar come. Lie all night in sackcloth, ye ministers of God. For the meat offering and the drink offering is withholden from the house of your God. Sanctify ye a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders, all the inhabitants of the land, into the house of the Lord your God, and cry unto the Lord. In verse 19, it records that even Joel said, I will cry unto the Lord. Even the prophet of God is saying, I will cry unto the Lord. Because the, the devastation, why, why was Joel crying? And why, why was he encouraging the priests and the people to call on the name of the Lord? Because of the drought and the devastation and the judgment that came upon Judah. Verse, in chapter 2, verse 1, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh. It is nigh at Verse 12, he says, Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garment. And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repenteth him of the Evil. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. What Joel is telling the people is there needs to be some repentance. Turn to the Lord, rend your hearts, he says, not your garments. Don't let there be an outward show of rending and of, of turmoil and of, 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 uh, of being sorry godly sorrow, but let it be an inward repentance. Turn to the Lord. What Joel is saying is you need to rend your heart. There needs to be an emptying of what is in your heart. There needs to be an emptying of what's on the inside that has caused you to turn your back on the Lord your God. He used words like turn, fast, weep, mourn, rend your heart. He's instructing the people to repent and to turn to the Lord. You see, there was a conditional promise of salvation that was being offered to the people. But in order to receive that conditional offer of salvation, uh, they had to repent and turn to God. Amen. Salvation is a promise, but I want you to know it is conditional. Salvation has always been conditional in the Word of God. It's always been conditional upon the conditions that we meet, the conditions that are set by God. Yes, He is merciful. Yes, He is just. Yes, He wants to fill us. Yes, He wants to forgive us of our sins. Yes, He wants us to prosper. He wants us to live a good life. However, there are conditions in the Word of God that must 
be met. There has to be a repentance or an emptying of our vessel. We have to die out to ourselves. Jesus himself said, take up your cross and deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. There has to be a denial of what we want and an acceptance of what God wants for our lives. Upon this condition, the Lord gave them promises. If you do these things, in verse 19, he says, the Lord will answer and say to his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil. You shall be satisfied. I will no more make you a reproach. Verse 20, I will remove your enemies from you. Verse 21, the Lord will do great things if we do, if you do this repentance, if you turn your heart towards God, then God will do great things. Verse 25, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, and the cankerworm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. If you do these things, I will bring about a restoration. I will bring about a restoration in your life, my children, if you do these things. But look what he said in verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. He is preparing His people for a pouring out. In order for His people to receive what is being poured out, you have to prepare the vessel to receive it. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the great terrible day of the Lord come and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered amen there is a deliverance that can be found in the outpouring of the spirit of the Lord but I submit to you today ladies and gentlemen in order to receive what the Lord is pouring out the vessel has to be empty it has to be prepared to receive that spirit. Amen. Obviously, this parallels with Acts, the second chapter. Amen. Acts, the second chapter, we know that when the day of Pentecost was come, they were all gathered, in, in the Bible says, in one accord or in unity, and they were gathered physically in the upper room in one place, and they suddenly there came a sound from heaven. The sound was as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. It sat upon each of them and they were all filled. They were what? They were vessels that had been prepared to receive what was been being poured out. And we know for a fact that this is what Joel was talking about. 
How do we know that when they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance that this is what Joel was talking about? In Acts, the second chapter, verse 16, Peter stands up to explain Pentecost, to begin preaching, and he says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in earth beneath blood and fire vapor of smoke the sun shall be turned to darkness the moon and the blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved so we know that this outpouring of the Holy Ghost uh, is that which was prophesied by the apostle or by the prophet Joel and explained to us by the apostle Peter. It's interesting to me that when the men that were gathered there heard what Peter preached, he pre went on to preach about Jesus uh, being the Messiah and the one true God and you crucified him and but the Lord raised him up from the dead on the third day. He preached that. And when they heard this, the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. You know, there's a lot that's contained in our hearts, in our vessel, if you will. Joel told the people that they were to rend their hearts. Not their when Peter's preaching, they were pricked in their hearts. They knew that there was an emptiness. There was an emptying going on. There was people that were astounded by what they heard. Some mocked them. But yet there were others that were pricked in their heart. And there was an emptying in their vessel. And they said, what must we do? What shall we do? What can we do to be saved? And that's when Peter told them to repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin for remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost Amen the Bible says that they gladly received his word and they were baptized they gladly received the word of Peter and they were baptized Amen. they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine there was an outpouring that was going on it just didn't just stop with Peter and the about 120 people gathered. But it was an outpouring that was continual. And it continued on and going and going and going. Amen. How many of you today have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Amen. I'm so thankful today uh, that I received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I know that we've been talking today specifically about oil and I have an illustration to use but I'm going to use water not oil because um, I don't want to make a mess with oil and two I might need to get how do you believe pastor needs water dumped on <laughs> I'm not going to do that to him I will, I'm teasing I'm not going to do that but uh when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, our vessel is full, isn't it? The 
vessel was full of water. If you'll allow this water today to represent the Spirit. Our vessel is full to the top. Psalmist said his vessel was running over. My cup runneth over it. You ever felt like your cup was just overflowing with the Spirit? You were just full of the Spirit? You know, and it, it, it doesn't stop. It's not a one-time thing being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand that? The Bible teaches us that there are times of refreshing. And even a child can understand this without being taught this. I, and I learned this, my youngest boy, Brayden, amen, he got the Holy Ghost. And then he told me later, he said, Dad, I got the Holy Ghost again. And so we asked him this week, did he get the Holy Ghost to youth camp? Yeah, I spoke in tongues again. I mean, there are times of refreshing where the Spirit of God visits us and fills us again with the Spirit. We all need that time of renewal and the filling of our vessel because our vessel doesn't just stay full all the time. In this very... I've been... Pro, now, you guys are... This is, this is a little off. I'm going to chase a rabbit. I've been prone in my life to collecting rocks. Okay. It started when I was a kid in the country and I had nothing to do. You have to understand I was raised conservative Pentecostal. We didn't have video game systems and television. We, you know, we didn't play basketball at school. We didn't have anything to do but read and play outside, so I became fascinated with rocks. Go figure. But these are not rocks that I collected as a kid. These rocks started out in my life as a source of aggravation. When Braden and Brody would go to daycare, there's pea gravel on the playground. And they would come home and, and take, there's a certain place they took their shoes off and kicked them off. And it seemed like every day I was picking up rocks and I started throwing them outside, putting them in the flower bed. And finally, Sheree and I, it was a running joke. We were like, how many rocks, is there any rocks left on that playground? How many, how can't keep the rocks up? So we would all the time sweep up rocks. And so one day, I said, I bet you I can fill up, I, I, in no time, if I collect these rocks, I can fill up a jar. And so I started collecting rocks and putting them in this jar. You know what I found out? It took a lot longer to fill up the jar than I thought it would. It wasn't near a big a deal as what I thought. And over time, I enjoyed it started laughing about it, you know. And now I miss it. They don't come home with rocks in their shoes anymore. You start missing it. But this morning, for this illustration, I was thinking about the rocks. Because we all have our vessels, don't we? But our vessels have other things in them. The vessels of our life have other things in them. It's not just the Spirit of God, is it? I mean, we all have concerns and cares and things of that nature. And you begin to drop, and you got those things in your vessel. And things begin to have less room for the things of God. Not sins, you understand. Not gross sins. But if you're an adult, you probably have at least... 40 hours a week for a job at minimum, most of us. <laughs> that's where it starts, it seems like. So that's that takes up part of your life, fills part of your vessel. You're a parent. 
kids and more you know that takes a lot a lot of energy a lot of resources doesn't it you got to take care of your your house and you got to cook supper you got to keep a clean house fills your vessel a little bit doesn't it you got hobbies don't you anybody got hobbies I got hobbies I like to go hunt fish a little bit every now and every couple years when I get a chance like like camping sometimes got things I like to do but you can see from our vessel today it starts to get full of stuff doesn't it it's full of stuff just pushes there's, there's less room not that God is less important to us not that he's not in our vessel necessarily it's just less time there's less time to do it. And so before long, we, we got these, I think Hebrews 12 and 1 says, lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. What does that mean? To be entangled. Tangle us up. No, every, every weight is not a sin, but every sin is a weight. You understand today. And so, there are things that beset us. Paul said, no man that uh, warth entangles himself with the things of this life. What's he talking about? Getting, getting over, going overboard. We can have hobbies, but you know we can go overboard. We can go overboard with things that please our flesh. And we'll find that in periods and seasons of our life, we can even get a little pocket lint. Before you know it, you're full to the top. And there's very little room, very little room for the things of God. Your life is full. It's overflowing. Do you love the Lord? Yeah. You still come to church? Yeah. You still love the Lord. But you don't have time for the things of God because your vessel is full. And we'll find in these moments of our life even though you've been full of the blessings of the Lord, your family, that's a blessing from the Lord. Your children, your grandchildren, blessing from the Lord, is it not? Your job, a blessing from the Lord. Your vehicles, that's a blessing from the Lord. I mean, your home, that's a blessing from the Lord. Having extra income so that you can do some of the things that you enjoy, like travel and vacation and hunting and owning four-wheelers and boats and, and travel trailers and all those things are blessings from the Lord. But even in that time, you'll find that you feel like something's lacking. You feel like your, your, your relationship with the Lord is lacking. And why is that? Because your vessel is full of stuff. Not that you're out there in gross sin. Not that you're out there uh, being controlled by the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, or doing uh, sinful, prideful things. But just life. And there comes a time as the, the prophet was saying, you got to call yourself a solemn fast. you got to carve out a little time and you begin to pour out and empty that vessel a little bit. You begin to make a little more room for the things of God because you realize that what's inside the vessel is just temporal things. And you realize there's a hole inside that can only be filled by the Spirit of God. And you find yourself in lonely places, even though you've been Spirit-filled and water-baptized. 
you find yourself feeling lonely. Even though you're a child of God that attends church regularly and faithfully, you feel lonely because your life is so full of other things, good things. But sometimes we have to lay aside some things and we have to empty out and carve out some time and get rid of some hobbies and push the plate back and, and rededicate ourselves to some time for prayer and, and find time to study the Word of God and, and maybe find time to memorize a, a favorite passage of Scripture. And we have to pour out some things out of our life and we have to empty our vessel. I have to tell you today that not only is there value in an empty vessel that needs to be filled for the first time with the Spirit, there is a value of emptying your vessel so that you can get more refreshing of the Spirit of God. And you can be filled to the top again. And you can be refreshed in the Holy Ghost. There is value in an empty vessel. The truth of the matter is, is that when we come to the realization that our life is full, sometimes it feels like, I don't have time for this, or I, you know, God, I, I want more of God, but I don't, I, I'm so busy. But the truth is, when we start laying those things aside and emptying our vessel out, it may hurt to begin with. But then as you do it, you feel closer and closer and closer to the Lord and the easier it is to do. Amen. You know what? I'm going to tell you, I've seen this in my life and I know this to be true. You're going to empty your vessel and you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a period of time where your vessel is full of the Lord and then you're going to get more rocks and you're going to put more rocks back in your vessel because you're a human collect things things attached to you you pick things up as you go Amen. it is a cycle of ebb and flow peaks and valleys and that's normal and natural in a walk with God but what you cannot allow yourself to do is be full of your own things, temporal things of this world even carnality and think uh, that if you live or, or continue that way that you're going to prosper in your walk with you have to listen to that still small voice that is whispering I miss my time with you I miss our prayer time I miss that time that, that you would fast and call on my name and seek my face Amen. there is value in emptying your vessel Amen. stand with me this morning Day when I, I I don't know how you took this. I, I did not intend it to be a hard message today. But a simple reminder that each and every one of us pick up things and there are times what it really comes down to is making room for the Spirit of God. Making room. How many of you want to make more room for the Lord today? Amen. I want to make well, I know you do. I know you want to make more room for the Lord because you're spirit-filled. Amen. But the truth is, it's just over a period of time, amen, we're not paying as close attention as we ought to to the Lord and the things of the Lord. And our vessel becomes full of other stuff. 
just by the natural course of life. And there are some times when we just have to say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to push the playback. I'm going to push, I'm going to carve out some time for the Lord. I mean, I've said this many times, and I'm sure I'll say it many more because this was a profound statement in my life. You already have all the time that you will ever have. There's only 24 hours in a day. There's only seven days in a week. There's never enough. What I've come to realize in my adult life is there is never enough time. Amen. It depends on how you want to allocate and prioritize your life around God. Amen. I could easily prioritize my time. I really do enjoy hunting. There's just something about the serenity of getting out in the woods, away from people, uh, you know, away from the cares of life, and, and spending quality time with my boys and, and my dad, and, and I just really enjoy that. But if, I, if I'm not careful, I could simply I could prioritize my life around that. My every weekend could be built around. Okay, I'm working until. 3 o'clock on Friday, and I'm going to go home. My stuff's already packed. I'm going to jump in the truck. We're going to go hunting. We're going to camp. And we're going to hunt Saturday and Sunday, and I'm going to leave in time Sunday to get back and get ready for work on Monday. I could, I could easily do that. I could plan all my vacation time around that if, I, if my wife would let me. I could. I really could. I love it. But there's an opportunity cost living a self-centered life there's an opportunity cost and what it's going to cost you is your relationship with the Lord I don't know why the Lord wanted me to preach to myself today but he did I'm not just stepping on your toes I'm stomping on my left toe and my right toe Amen. we have to live our life and organize our lives in such a way that we are carving out, intentionally carving out time for the things of God. I mean, we all have demands on our time. We have bills that must be paid, cars that must be maintained, houses and yards, your yard's got to be cut. Your vehicle has to have the oil changed. There are things that you have to do. Brother Billy, I hate to tell you, but tomorrow morning, that alarm clock's going off several times. Several times. <laughs> Five times, he said. <laughs> and Brother Billy's going to make that long trek from Clinton all the way down to the far end of Flowood like he has for 20 years. Why? Because his life, there's demands in his life. He doesn't make that drive every Monday morning, every Tuesday morning, every Wednesday morning because he just has to find something to do. There's demands on his time. Amen. For some of you, the commute's even worse. <laughs> Brother Dwayne's got to go find some heads of hair to cut. Amen. I don't know how you barbers do it. I but but there's, there's all sorts of, all of us in here, we have demands on our time. And it's so easy for us to fill our vessels up with the things of life and the things that must be done and then the hobbies and, and mix in this and that and before you know it there's no room for the Spirit of God in our lives. And so we have to learn what is essential and 
prioritize and cut back where we can to intentionally live an intentional life that is dedicated to the Lord. Amen. And sometimes the way that intentional action looks like is not necessarily getting rid of something. You can't just quit your job because you want to spend eight hours with the Lord. That's not pleasing to God either. What do you have to do? You have to put God in your everyday. Amen. I've got to put God in my everyday. I, I was I was at my job the other day, and I know you're standing, and this is a longer closing than normal. I was at my job the other day, and it was particularly hectic and busy. And um, I, I just took time. I shut the door. Got my Bible out that I keep one in my office. Got it out read something from Psalms. I don't even remember. I don't even remember what it was. Because I felt just the cares and the demands of my job weighing on me. People were barking about stuff, complaining about stuff, unhappy. And that's the life of an administrator. You're the complaint desk. You're the complaint department. And that's just the way it is. And the negativity of all that was weighing me down. And I realized in that moment that I hadn't prayed that day. I hadn't prayed that week. I hadn't opened my Bible. I haven't talked to the Lord. And I shut my door and opened my Bible. And then for a few minutes I knelt down and just had a few moments of prayer with God. And in that moment I felt refreshed. In that moment I felt like I poured out a little of my concerns and a little of my cares and a little of those worries out of my vessel. And somewhere from above... There began to be a pouring of the Holy Ghost of the Spirit of God began to fill me and give me peace and give me comfort in my time of, of a hectic schedule and in my time of dealing with complaints and negativity and, and people complaining. The Lord gave me peace and serenity because I was willing to take some time and pour out a little bit of that and connect to the source 